on nostalgia and a geeky sensibility. Each episode, we'll talk about one of the video games that left an impression on us as kids, put on some rose-tinted glasses and reminisce about it, then replay the game and see how it's held up over the years. This episode, we'll be barrel rolling into the past and talking about Star Fox 64 for a Nintendo 64. I'm Katie. I'm Chris. We've muted Slippy, so let's start talking games. Fox! That was really awkward. (laughs) Do you want to do it again? No. I'm fine with it. <laughs> I like how we're in episode 17 and it's like we're we're onto the the second child phase of the podcast where mistakes that we would definitely re-record for <laughs> in like episode 5 or 6. Now it's just like, that's nah, fine. It it makes us sound more authentic. It's not that we're <laughs> lazy. <laughs> well, you got praised for your your casual laid-backness on the stream, so. Yeah, I saw that, which was nice, I guess. So we've had a bit of a space flight sim theme on the last couple of streams we've done online, if you've joined us, because not only were we, of course, playing Star Fox 64, but Chris, you were playing Rogue Squadron for the VR? Star Wars Squadrons. Star Wars Squadrons. Close. Rogue Squadron was That's the, the, N64 the game. N64 game, yeah, <laughs> oddly enough. So how has been flying in space VR, how has that been? It was really awkward because... The first mission that I played after I got all the VR hooked up, because I was midway through the campaign, was a Imperial mission, which was in a TIE fighter or TIE interceptor. And if you could visualize what those things look like, there are no windows on the sides. So VR gives you nothing. I was like, cool, I can look around the cockpit. What do I see? The inside of a ball. Eat. <laughs> and there's no rearview mirror or anything, is no, there? No, there's, there's nothing. It was, it was a complete waste of time, and it gave me a headache. Did did it make you feel worse that you're doing an imperial mission from like first person's perspective, and it's like destroy this like hospital vessel? That was the worst. That was like I think I literally said on stream. It was like when they were like destroy these transports full of refugees and a hospital ship. I was like I. I don't want to do this. <laughs> I, I feel awful. <laughs> it's, yeah, cue, cue the David Mitchell. Are are we the baddies? <laughs> yes. And it, it is interesting because I wonder if it affects you more purely because you are in first person. So it felt more like you doing it as opposed to you playing a game of it happening. I think it's suck either way, to be fair. But I think it's yeah, almost I was worse just, from I first person. I think that's the point where they they want to make you a monster, essentially. But... Ace combat is way better with the VR, at least right now, because, you know, I could I got a bubble cockpit so I could look around (laughs) a little a little more uh, visual uh, helps and visual aids in uh, Ace combat. That's good to know. So, yeah, we've been going on a theme. If you joined us on a Twitch again, this is going to be our 
constant reminder to everyone to join us on our Twitch channel. We do mostly do the retro games, especially the ones we cover the podcast, but we occasionally pop up with some modern games, especially on Tuesdays for our Coast to Coast co-op. But we also have games like on VR that are more modern that we bring up or uh, producer Lisa was playing the Cadence of Hyrule, which was a ton of fun. So we, we have some fun games that pop up on there occasionally as well. Yeah, it's a good place to kind of hang out and chat with us in, in real time. That's fair. Pleasantries completed. Moving on. <laughs> you know, one thing in space combat that I probably would do pretty much because I do it in every sort of combat I typically enter with other people playing with me is run straight into battle. So let's run straight into the video game trope of the day. Trope of the day! Fox! <laughs> that was that was a very poor try at Slippy, but it's better than my DK. <laughs> Okay, so Chris, what is our video game trope of the day? Leroy Jenkins! Yes. Yes. (laughs) 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 I mean, there's no other way to say that. No, there's not. It's even written into our notes with multiple E's. Yes. So in case you are unfamiliar with this trope of Leroy Jenkins originating from World of Warcraft. We should point out real quick, the originator for this trope was a fake video. Really? That was, it wasn't fake. It was set up. Like it wasn't a real thing. I don't think I If you that. listen to what they're saying before they start this raid, it's all nonsense. Oh, I don't think I knew that. Yes. As with a lot of the tropes that we cover, the name that popular and the way we call it now doesn't necessarily mean where it started or where it originated but overall this trope is when a ai or a player character runs straight into battle without any sort of tactics or any care for strategy and just runs straight into the fight typically with a boss and normally or often enough their recklessness gets everybody killed so pretty much you see this a lot with uh AI stuff because they're not really trained to hold back and try to go around the outsides and and work your way in and follow a plan because it's hard to coordinate that outside of of a very few games that are very very tailored to that. So the AI loves to run straight in. Yeah, you'll sometimes you'll, new players love to yeah. run straight in. Yeah, with AI, you'll find this in a lot of games where you have companions. They'll not every companion does this, but a lot of your companions, like in Fallout or Elder Scrolls or Mass Effect, will just run straight into battle, and you're like, nope, nope, you're gonna die. Oh god, you're gonna die. Oh god, and you have to trail after them. Also, I, I will say when uh, Chris suggested this trope for this week, I felt personally attacked because this. Sort of might because be... Because it relates very close to our Borderlands 2 experience. It's kind of sort of maybe my play style in a lot of games, especially first-person <laughs> shooters that we end up playing. Borderlands yeah. 2 in particular is when Chris really had to deal with it because he picked a sniper character, and I picked the uh, Mechromancer. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with the game, uh, that just means that I control a large robot, which is awesome. And uh, I like shotguns because I can't aim. So, because you don't have to aim them very so much. So I would literally, Chris would be like, okay, so we have this base. We're about to attack. I'm going to go up and just start sniping them. And I'd be like, don't care, running in with robot. And just would charge straight into the base. And Chris would get no kills because I would, it would just be. <laughs> I wouldn't even get no kills. Again, as this trope kind of intimates, 
you would die because you would go straight forward. And I'm a sniper, and I have no business being close to any of that. So it's like, save me! Here. Here, I'm going to set up from the outside. Nope, I got it. Going in. Oh, help! <laughs> to be fair, that's why the Mecromancer was great, because my robot could save me, because he could get my second win for me. That is true. <laughs> but uh, this is a play style. Sometimes it works. Most of the time, it doesn't. It really depends on how you're playing with people and if they expect it. After a while, Chris started expecting I was going to do it, so it worked out a lot better once we figured yeah. that out. It's it's just set up and be like, all right, just go. Just go. It's fine. <laughs> I'll... I'll find what comes out after you and maybe pick up your corpse later. <laughs> so this 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 particular trope hits hits a little close to home. <laughs> it also hits close to this episode, which is why I mostly chose it. It just happened to relate to one of the hosts on this podcast as well. A little more directly than the other host. <laughs> no, but in this episode, of course, Slippy. Slippy, 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 slippy. You're awful. And there's actually one in mission in particular where even if Slippy has already been like taken out in the previous mission because as soon as they die, they are out for the next mission, then they come back, Slippy will automatically be put into this mission even if he died because later in the boss battle, if you don't kill the boss fast enough, Slippy goes and suicides himself, basically. Now he's alive and you have to rescue him, but that's the point. He runs in and basically almost gets blown up, and then you have to go rescue him. It's it's literally like, Fox, I got this! Ah! Oh, Fox, help! <laughs> Just proving how absolutely, that is the perfect example of how helpful Slippy is. Let me help! <laughs> oh, my dead, you have to now save me! Like, Slippy, 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 slippy. <laughs> ah, slippy. But yes, yeah, so this is, again, typically this is for, yeah, AI. This is a lot of times you'll have it with bad escort missions or companion missions where the yeah. the companion will run out and get shot like Natalia. Natalia did this. That is true. I did shoot her in the back of the say, head. She didn't run to fight necessarily, but she would just run into the middle of battle for no apparent reason. Yeah. You see this in things like uh, comic books and... TV shows, movies, it, it often uses a smash cut type thing. Mm -hmm. So it's like, here we go, and then smash cut, and all of a sudden they're like, oh, God, help! You know, this is something, it, Leroy Jenkins is, is so well-known, especially in the video game world, you have, like, achievements and trophies and characters named after him who act this way. WoW definitely added an achievement, and there's a, a card in the wow ccg that is a leroy jenkins like it's it's definitely a meme that has transcended into like developer stuff i want to say one of the halo games had a like a side character named leroy or something like sergeant jenkins who runs straight into battle like that kind of situation yeah so if you're ever playing a multiplayer game and you have someone yell at you stop being a jenkins or stop being a leroy this is what's happening you're, you're pulling a host, Katie. Um, you're running straight into battle without thinking, which is, you know, how we kind of handle this podcast. We often run straight in without thinking. So that's how we'll wrap up our video game trope of the day. Trope of the day! All this talk is slippy. Let's actually talk Star Fox 64 for the Nintendo 64. So Star Fox 64 was released in 1997, developed by Nintendo themselves. 
So this was a follow-up to the original Star Fox on the Super Nintendo. They actually started to develop a Star Fox 2, but it kind of got bogged down, I think. And it was close enough to the release of the 64 where they decided to cancel Star Fox 2 and push all of that into the 64 release version of this game. So Star Fox 2 was practically completed, but they didn't want to put it up against any sort of uh, 64 release games. So the development of Star Fox 64 did not take a lot of work. It was about, according to uh, Miyamoto, was 30% of the Star Fox mechanics, almost 60% of the Star Fox 2 mechanics and plot. So they did not have a lot that they needed to do. They just kind of had to do a lot of art asset stuff. So Miyamoto and team could kind of take a lot of their time and spend their resources on adapting this product that they had to the new hardware. So it was mostly art assets, audio, graphics, AI, all that stuff that they could use the new memory and the new processing power for the 64. So as an example, when they were developing the animation sequences for Star Fox 64, the team worked to make the characters' mouths pop open and close along with the audio. It's kind of one of those things that stick with you, right? Yeah. Like whenever they're talking, it's just kind of like a... And there's audio coming out. And they thought that looked really cool because it was a nice effect that you would see. And to be fair, it was something that hadn't really been done in other games before. No, definitely the voices. And definitely the voices. And that was noticed by the critics and by the fans. Star Fox 64 received a critical acclaim when it came out. It was one of the top-selling games of 1997, only coming behind Mario Kart 64. So it was one of the top games of the year and really what defined that part of the system in the early era of the Nintendo 64. Um, specifically, again, the voice clips were widely complimented by critics. It was brought up as a specific point that this attention that they gave to this was, was seen by the fans and the critics and they appreciated it. And it's not just... It's not the quality of the voice acting because let's be honest, it wasn't... Great, Great but, but it was there. But it, the, but the, uh, but it's not only that it was there. It was the quantity. It wasn't just one clip repeated yeah. over and over and over again. I mean, there were repetition, but it was just there was a lot of different things that all the different characters said, and that was really incredible for a cartridge-based game at the time. Well, do you remember what what the voices were? I say voices and air quotes in in the original Star Fox game. It was literally like weird. Simlish yeah. noises. Yeah, like, exactly. And, you know, we, we talked about in, in GTA 2, there aren't real voices except for the radio. But, like, you hear yeah. when people are, quote, unquote, talking, it's just... It was Simlish. So this, you know, was there was a lot of credit given to the game for the voices and the attention that they put into those details. Overall, game rankings had the aggregated score of 89% and Metacritic had an 88 out of 100. So again, really positive scores across the board. To bring up some... More specific scores, we had GamePro had it as a 20 out of 20. GameSpot had it no. 8.3 out of 10. Fimatsu had it at a 36 out of 40. Um, <laughs> IGN had it 8.7 out of 10. Nintendo Life, 9 out of 10. Again, really, really great scores. And the one score I put in there just for Chris was Nintendo <laughs> Power had it at a 4.325 out of 5. We really need those three eighths. We need to break it down into eighths, please. <laughs> we couldn't do any sort of decimal, not tenths. Oh, we're going to do eighths. We're going to do eighths. 
of, of, of out of five. It reminds me when I was a surveyor and we worked with tenths of feet. Oh. Instead of inches. Ew. That was that was a thing. We dealt with tenths of feet. We always like to talk about speed runs when we can. Star Fox absolutely had a speed run. So an any percent speed run, really more important, I think, than the 100% in this particular game's case, as you don't really need to 100% the game. Most people, in fact, right. don't even get close to 100%ing the game. So an any percent speed run, the current record is 22 minutes and 11 seconds, set by Stivity Bob. Stivity Bob? Two years ago. So it's actually one of the older records that we've gone over. Yeah, I was going to say two years ago. Yes, two years ago. But in the top 20, there were a couple of records set like two weeks ago. So there is still an active community around that, but not nearly as active as some of the other games we've covered recently where we are seeing records beaten way more recently than two years ago. This game, I think, while speedrunning is is definitely popular in a lot of different types of games, this game seems to fall more into the who can get the highest amount of points kind of category. That seems way more active. That was brought to my attention literally the first time that I streamed this game where we were fortunate enough to get raided on Twitch by a channel that brought like like seven or eight people. And I had, you know, eventually finished my playthrough and the guy was like, well, that's not a bad top score. Yeah, they they, they got Chris got a little bit of shade being like, that's okay i guess until chris is like so i haven't played this in like a decade and he was like oh well that's really good then if it's the first time you're playing in like a decade come on man (laughs) cut me some slack i think it was in the title it's like i haven't played this game in 15 years (laughs) of course it's not gonna be that great yeah but i I think it is definitely as opposed to speed runs i think that getting high scores is way more uh, active right now than speed runs for this particular game and i think that's just how this game was built too right exactly i think that's just the game is more is better suited for points than for speed runs We talked a lot about the characters and all the voices that came in. And of course, we've already brought up, I think, everyone's absolute favorite character, Slippy the Toad. Help! Help, Fox! No, Slippy is notoriously has made so many most hated character lists out there. (laughs) Nobody likes Slippy. So I thought a fun fact about Slippy is he was based on one of Miyamoto's co-workers. (laughs) because he explained that the amphibian mechanic was modeled after a staff member who used a toad-like personal mascot always writing ribbit ribbit on memos oh no so slippy i wonder how that person feels slippy is a i you know it doesn't make me think that he liked this 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 co-worker maybe who knows but yeah, so Slippy, one of the most hated characters of all time, was based on one of Miyamoto's co-workers. So, sorry, co-worker. They even made fun of him in the game. Oh, yeah. They bring up how they had to save him all the time. So, Slippy was definitely something we remembered in the past. So, let's go to the past and look into it. Let's play that Chiacarina of Time. Let's go! I got caught off guard, even if I told you to set this up, because I was trying to think of a Star Fox yeah, specific. Yeah, no one needs your let's go anyway. So, with the beautiful Chiacarina of Time bringing us back into the past, it's time to talk about Star Fox 64. Chris, what do you remember about playing this game? 
Do a barrel roll. That that is the first note I have written down. <laughs> Do a barrel roll. That's my first note in all caps. <laughs> in all caps, exactly. <laughs> That's immediately the first thing that jumps to mind. Yeah, when, when we were talking about this last night, I said, I remember exactly six words for, from this game. Do a barrel roll. Four words. I was going to say, what are, the, what are the extra two? Do a barrel roll is the first thing I think anyone thinks of with this game. I, I actually remember a lot of the other lines too like you're becoming more like your father unless i'm confusing that with um star wars no <laughs> the the other star fox the on the on the SNES. oh okay that's possible quick question for chris in particular what is the problem with what you do right after he says do a barrel roll it's it's not a barrel roll it's an aileron roll uh, an aileron roll is when you just spin on the one axis a barrel roll is when you you know, actually roll in the shape of a hoop, essentially. Oh. Which requires, you know, like, yaw and pitch and a lot more I know what these words mean now. Yay! Yay! And if you listen to our tech episode, you'll know even more. You'll be buried in even more terminology. So, okay. So that's really funny that the calling it a do a barrel roll is a lie. Is it Slippy who says that? No, it's Peppy. Peppy. Peppy the hare. Why did I think it was Slippy the frog? Who said no, it? Slippy the frog's always like, help me, fox. <laughs> I can't take care of myself. <laughs> okay. I wasn't ready for that, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> so outside of just remembering the really, I remember they were really annoying when they would talk to you just Constant. They were awful. Yeah, they were so like awful. Peppy, Peppy Hare would give you advice. Falco would just be snarky the whole time. Like you'd get someone off and he'd be like, I guess I should be grateful. Is that Falco the Falcon? Is yes. Falcon? Okay. And then, yeah, Slippy the Frog who was just whining Useless. and annoying the whole time. Okay. So when it comes to actual memory games, as we say on a lot of our other episodes, we did not own an N64, so we both played these more at friends' houses than we played anywhere else. Right. I just remember that the game didn't have a lot of graphics while flying. Like, it wasn't like the screen was flooded with stuff going on. Like, there was stuff there at times. So I feel like it was a lot more emptiness. Maybe I'm misremembering. I don't... I mean, compared to the first one it was definitely there was more stuff but yeah it wasn't super super busy because i'm pretty sure it was like a a, a rail shooter yeah. essentially yeah like so you couldn't have it be super super busy because there's only so like so many places you could go that makes sense i'm pretty sure we didn't play that much single player like we might have every once in a while but it was mostly the multiplayer mode which was just like a free-for-all battle right when you're only playing when you go to friend's house you're playing with friends you're not playing solo campaign mode that often as i said chuck yeager i was never really a flight sim or even flying games kind of person i was terrible at them clearly if you see my playthroughs and so i just this game was fine but i don't remember like desperately wanting to play this game when I went to friends' houses all the time. I remember the multiplayer modes being kind of fun because there were stuff like you could do like loops and split S's and and Immelman's, I think, which is when you turn around suddenly. So when you go, you do like a half roll or a half half loop and then a barrel roll. Yeah. So you're facing the other way. So you could do that. That was always neat. You could barrel roll or aileron roll, whatever, and it would give you a shield to deflect stuff. Oh, is that how that worked? 
That's how that works. That's why Peppy screams do a barrel roll at you in like the first mission because he's teaching you how to do that so you could deflect. Ew! I don't think I stuff. ever knew that because again, I never did like campaigns. Or I was just like, <laughs> My favorite part is you could do a barrel roll in the tank because there was a tank in this game. Yeah, you did like a little flop to the side roll thing. With the tank. It's a tank. Okay, I don't remember that part. Yeah. I feel like the tank didn't come up much in multiplayer because, you know. Because it's not the point of the game. Yeah. Yeah, it just it's one of those games that was a standard definitely on the N64. Uh-huh. It just, I feel like if you had Mario Kart or GoldenEye, that tended to be kind of played over to this. Is that just me? Or is it just because of my preference? It might have been your preference. Like, mm. I, I remember going through phases, I think. Like, I remember playing this a ton over at the neighbors across the street. Did they have a 64? I think so. One of the one of the neighbors definitely played played this game a lot. Yeah. Like, I, I remember bits and pieces of, like, playing the single player. Like, mm -hmm. how you could get, like, improved lasers and stuff like that. Which I think you can get the multiplayer as well. Yeah, so that sounds familiar. I think you could do that in multiplayer as yeah. well. And they had bombs, because that was the other thing that Peppy said, was use bombs wisely. <laughs> I feel like I always played, because you played as one of the characters, obviously, in multiplayer. And I want to say right. I always played as Peppy because I liked rabbits. <laughs> this is a good enough reason as any. I had no other reason, otherwise I like rabbits. I think I remember in the in the single player, there were times where you would go into like go from a rail shooter into like that arena. Yes. Shooter type thing. Like when you fought like Star Wolf. I yeah, think. but it was like it was almost like the bosses, not always. the Yeah, bosses, it, was it was mostly like a bosses. Boss yeah. scenario that you were given a little bit more freedom of movement. Mm -hmm. I remember some of the other quotes stick out of my head. Like when you got the little box, like a, an item, you would get health from like the mothership. So like the robot voice yeah. would be like, location confirmed, sending supplies. Uh, yeah, I, I want to say like the sound effects and the noise, the, 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 the voiceover stood out a lot because yeah. it was one of the earlier games that had a lot of voice acting as far as I can remember. Like that it was more than just yeah. like one voice or so talking. Like there were a lot of people who would talk and that, I feel like that was relatively new for this game. Well, again, think about the games that we've been talking, that we were just talking about. Like Mario Kart doesn't really have any of that. Goldeneye doesn't has like have sound any effects. Of that. Yeah, I think. doesn't have any voices. Yeah, I mean, none of the Mario games, obviously. Really, this this might be one of the earliest games that we played that had voices. I'm trying to think of like. What, I mean, it was probably yeah, PlayStation like right games, in line. But even but then, a lot was... of PlayStation games didn't. I mean, the Final Fantasy games didn't have yeah. any talking. The GTA had no. the. Yeah. Yep. I mean. I mean <laughs> Back on topic. But yeah, no, I mean, I want to say, because like, yeah, PlayStation games, I don't think PlayStation games even had that much voiceover, is my point. No. Yeah, so I think you might be right. This might be one like of the first games that we voices. played that had had that that mm -hmm. engagement with you when talking. And yet talking, still really, really freaking cool. annoying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure there, there might be someone out there who would tell us, well, this game had it, and that's quite possible. We just don't remember it. But well, not, yeah. this is definitely the first game that, like, yeah, the voices weren't just in, like, cutscenes either. Like, this was in gameplay. As you said, right. engagement. It was, it was reacting to things you did. Yeah. That was really cool. Like, I, I definitely remember having fun yeah. with this game. As much as I'm not a big flight person, flight sim game or flying flying fighting game, I still had a fun with this. It still wasn't a game mm -hmm. that I was like, I don't want to ever play. No, it still was a ton of fun. I just was, you know, yeah. as is the trend so far in a lot of the games we play, I was terrible. 
<laughs> I did have fun, but I don't, I, I being the stubborn person I am, didn't always like playing games I was bad at. Well, that's fair. Yeah. So it's like, let's play some Mario Kart. I'm decent <laughs> at Mario Kart. <laughs> but are you? I said decent. <laughs> Tact. I remember liking the music. Yeah, I do remember the music. Yeah. And that was that clip clip that I sent you is is like the, the first level music, like a rock version awesome. of it. Like I stumbled across it. It was like, ah, I remember yeah, this no, song. It, it was it so good. It definitely was a, a soundtrack that I, I, it fit really well with the game. Um, and I just remember mm-hmm. really enjoying the music for sure. Um, I was trying to remember with the controls. I know you had the like box that you used to shoot like you do in most games. I don't know what to call that. The like targeting right. box. Like the crosshair. Yeah, the crosshair box. Yeah. And, and that like, yeah, kind of stuck out in front of your, yeah. in front of your um, P wing. Sure. What was it called? I don't know. Spaceship. I think it P-Wing. Yes. Spaceship. Because you're in space because you're Star Fox. Except you're not half the time. No, you're really not. You're like above yeah. the like surface level of stuff. I mean, you were in space. Like I remember asteroid levels and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, but it's like a la Star Wars that the X-Wings can fly around in like atmosphere and in space. Right. Yeah. Sorry. What were you going to say about the crosshairs? Just no, that I just they remember existed? The, the imagery of it. Um, and yeah, that like you said, it wasn't... I just, Maybe I'm wrong about this, but I have this vague memory of it's not just the crosshairs, but there were like the lines like going to the crosshairs, almost like trying to give you perspective like that. They yeah, were in front of you. yeah, I think I, I think you're right. Like the crosshair was like a set of double boxes. Almost. Lines, yeah, like it, it was trying to give like perspective you the perspective lines, lines yeah. essentially, which, again, was really neat considering it was a 3D game. I mean, they weren't yeah. the best 3D graphics at the time, but it was a 3D game. So having that it added perspective, it added depth to the game, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I want to say you could switch into the cockpit view, so you could go from like third person to essentially like cockpit view, first person. But like no one ever did that because it was a mess. I was gonna say I don't remember think I ever did that. You couldn't fly around, and you barely could see stuff. And I, yeah, I don't remember doing that I don't much at all. Doing that at all. Could you do? You could do damage to the to the thing. You could like lose a wing, which would like instantly go down if you had like double lasers. You'd go down to one laser again. That's if you damage the wing possible i that i have no idea that might be me getting confused with the original i mean it might be in both it might be in both again i don't remember those kind of details necessarily yeah that's fair just lots of like vignettes of of playing the game exactly vignettes is almost a, a great way of putting it yeah lots of yelling i mean these kind of games were just rife with yelling yeah i'm pretty sure you could unlike the first one you could like select your path because like the mission paths where there are like three different ones, three different main ones or something like that. Because mm. I'm pretty sure in the original, like you only, you had to do like a secret thing to unlock some other story mode or story path, I should say. I mean, that and would this one... make sense. I don't remember yeah. any of that, but that makes sense. Um, yeah, I mean, c- considering we didn't own the game, it makes it a lot harder to harder. pull yeah. some of these memories out again i have i have nothing nothing but good memories about this game like i remember enjoying it well enough it might not have been my favorite game to play but it was never a game i i like outright objected to playing yeah i agree i, I definitely remember enjoy playing it so i mean I'm, I'm looking forward to playing it again i'm very curious to see how it stands up especially with the controls i mean i'm pretty sure the controls aren't super super complex it's you know yeah i have a feeling they're pretty down up uh, left right Pretty straightforward. Well, yeah. so you're going to yell at me. So don't yell at me. <laughs> Inverted controls. That means down pushes you up and up pushes you down, right? Yes. Okay. Inverted controls is 
stick goes forward, house gets bigger, stick goes backwards, house gets smaller. Uh, okay. That's 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 okay. how we I always tell people at work. Were we playing that the controls were inverted and oh, I was doing Origami King and you had to um shoot stuff out of the air and the controls were inverted. Oh. If you're not ready for it. <laughs> but I wasn't ready for it. But even then, I was like instinctually going the right way. But then I, I started overthinking it and going the wrong way. Oh, yeah. And it was just, it, and I was like, oh, I hate when controls are inverted because then I messed it up. I'm like, wait, no, they're not inverted. And that's messing me up. <laughs> like, it was just like one of those moments of like, I just, my brain couldn't count. Okay. So do you remember, is Star Fox inverted or not? Or could you choose? Because I feel like in early games, you couldn't choose. It was just set. I might be wrong. Uh, I feel like you could definitely. So even in like Goldeneye, you could choose an inverted or not inverted controls. And that's definitely a game that I, I played. I'm pretty sure I played that one inverted. I'm pretty sure it's inverted by default. Okay. It has it has to be. Yeah. But I, I feel like it probably gives you the option. Yeah. I mean, I would hope it gives you the option. We'll have to see. So do you prefer inverted controls or not inverted controls? I'm 100% inverted controls for flying 99% of the time. I think this is the other experience. And I do distinctly remember this now when you talk about the rumble pack was part of this game. Right. That it was also funny when you would go to those friends who didn't have the rumble pack because it wasn't necessarily every friend who had a rumble or, pack. Or like they only had like one or two right. and you were playing with four people. So it's like, I want the rumble pack this time. Exactly. And and how different that would be at times of like how you're like, oh, well, you have the rumble pack and whether sometimes it was helpful, sometimes it was detrimental because it'd be like, oh, God, it's shaking yeah, so you're trying much. to aim. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, because I wasn't great in the first place, I feel like I avoided the rumble pack. I'm like, I don't need it shaking, making it harder. Like I'm already bad. <laughs> I don't think we have a rumble pack. I gotta, I gotta, I guess I'll have to check. I was gonna say you That's might. The thing you that know. goes in the bottom, right? Yeah. yeah, it goes in the bottom, which is. Was that also? What else could you put yeah, in that slot? So, so That's where like memory. I was gonna say memory used there. to go in there as well, mm -hmm. but I remember, yeah, it was just. And that was kind of an interesting thing with the N64 as well in comparison to us who mostly played PlayStation at the time. The PlayStation memory cards went in at the front into the console itself, whereas the memory cards in N64 went into the controller. Um, right. And, it, and made those really awkward, bulky controllers even more bulky even and awkward. Bigger, yeah. <laughs> so it's time for scores, Chris. And we're going to press you on this because you always waffle. So what oh, is yeah. your what is your rose-tinted score? I'm going to go eight and a half for my rose tinted score. Mm. I remember having a lot of fun. I feel like I remember getting frustrated with some of the single player stuff, but eight and a half. Definitely. What about you? What is your rose tinted score for this game? I'm going to give it a seven and a half just because again, I just flying games weren't my favorite, but I did have a lot mm. of fun. I remember having a ton of fun whenever I played it. Just it wasn't my favorite. So seven and a half. That's fair. So what are you going to give your predicted score? Are you going to drop it? Are you going to raise it? Is Rose Tinted going to make it even better? Nostalgia going to make it better? What are you thinking? I'm, I'm going to drop it. Like, uh, I'm going to give it a seven predicted score. I have a feeling that it might be frustrating and the graphics aren't going to be as good as I remember. And it's going to be hard to do multiplayer. Yeah. Like, there's always two player multiplayer, but that's not nearly as fun. Not nearly so as I'm, fun. I'm definitely going to drop it to a, a seven. We'll have to see if there's... 
there's some sort of version online like there was of GoldenEye where we could all play together. Uh, it, I wouldn't doubt it. It would be it would be interesting. What about you? What's your what's your predicted score after we go back and play it again? I think I'm going to give it a six and a half. I have to drop it as well. I have a feeling for me, especially I'm going to compare it to Chuck Yeager and how even though I didn't I wasn't great at Chuck Yeager, obviously, I think for me, my brain will be like, this is an older game that I think will likely accomplish a lot more than Star Fox is able to just because of what I remember Star Fox not being as realistic, obviously, because it's space stuff. But I mean, like just the way right. it felt, it felt logical and what you did in Chuck Yeager to do certain mm-hmm. things you had to take certain steps and I feel like you don't need to do that in this kind of game and I, I know in your technical episode you talk about how you split those sometimes and in your brain you cate- almost put them in two different categories but I think because I'm playing in such close succession it almost is going to be a negative for Star Fox that I've just played Chuck Yeager somewhat recently that's fair so I'm gonna give it a six and a half sounds good we've got our rose tinted scores let's go back to the present or future it's our current future Current future podcast present. Ghost of podcast present? Ghost of, ghost of podcast. Rose. I <laughs> it's devolved. It's devolved. Oh, it's no. Time to go. Back, back to the past. Back to, no, back back. to the future. Back to the future. Bring us back. <laughs> Quick. You're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. <laughs> So we are back from the past, which means we can talk about how our playthroughs actually went. But first, I think we should talk about a little bit of the plot and mechanics of Star Fox, just in case you're not super familiar with it. Because I know we really weren't, because we didn't play it a ton. I know I remembered enough of it, but I think this was the most concentrated time that we played through it. Well, this is good. This happens every time we talk about the systems that we didn't actually own as kids that we only really played at other people's houses that yeah. we we actually end up experiencing a lot more on our recent playthroughs than we probably ever did as kids. But going into the plot of Star Fox before the game starts, Fox McCloud's dad, James McCloud, Peppy Hare and Pigma Dengar are basically looking for suspicious activity on the planet Venom. You basically go through the whole thing. James gets captured, Pigma betrays them, and Peppy is the only one to escape. All of this happens five years before the start of the game. This is all told to you in a scroll at the very start of the game. A voiceover scroll, which is nice. A voiceover scroll, but goes way too fast so for me to actually keep up with. So long and fast. And it's so long I started drifting. Yeah. So <laughs> it is both too fast and too long. <laughs> So basically, because James is missing, Peppy starts a new group and re- and brings in James's son, Fox McCloud, our hero of the game, who also brings along Falco and Slippy. And they basically are mercenaries. Mercenaries? Is that they, are a, they are a mercenary company. I mean, it's I, I feel like they, they state that outright a couple times. So they're mercenaries who are brought in by the local army to help them beat this suspicious activity, the villain of the game, Andros. And so the whole game is Andros. you going Andros, sorry. Andros. Andros. So you're going from planet to planet, either fighting his minions or fighting his like henchmen, basically, trying to get back to Venom to then defeat him so he doesn't do his evil plan. That's I mean, that's the general summary of it. Go from Cordaria and defeat all of the people on your way to fighting Andros in Venom. 
And there are different routes to go. So that's actually a really great replayability of this game is that you start at the same planet, but you can actually it opens up different routes depending on how you play. And they don't necessarily tell you how to open those different routes, which is kind of an interesting way of doing it. No, that was great. So basically your actions in, in each level can open up, possibly open up one or multiple routes that are harder or easier. So the better you do, the harder the route opens up versus when you screw up, like I did a lot of the times, <laughs> I went on the easiest route. And it's 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 tiny little things here and there. It's Some are more obvious, like in the first level, if you fly under a bunch of arches, you can go to a different path. But then oh. there's some that are like, you need to kill a hundred enemies in this specific level to take the harder path. Yeah, and, and this this brings up the trope of the day where Slippy throws himself at the boss and then disappears. So if you kill the boss before Slippy gets hit, you go down one path. If you manage to have Slippy get hit, taken out, you have to go down another path and then rescue Slippy. So that's a more obvious, different right. route. But the easy paths I thought were harder sometimes than the hard paths so yes the easy path wasn't necessarily always the easiest i was watching producer kyle when he was playing through it and i somehow managed to get on the medium path at some point and this was the tank level which each path seemed to have at least one tank level you would go into as opposed to being in your aircraft spacecraft whatever and my tank level you found out if you hit these five little triggers or seven, i'm sorry eight, eight. triggers you hit the eight triggers, then you hit the final trigger. It just it just beats the boss for you really quick, which was really nice. Whereas I was watching producer Kyle on the quote unquote easy path save Slippy instead. And that, that level boss was so hard. Awful. That, that level was, was awful, so hard. Yeah. Awful, awful level. And I absolutely think that looked harder than the level I played. Most of the time, most of the time you're in a, they call it the R-Wing. It's your spacecraft that can go into atmosphere because producer Kyle has chided the aerospace engineer on what and what doesn't count as an airplane. <laughs> he's giving me the finger right now. I can tell. No, he's laughing hysterically because <laughs> he knows he got you. <laughs> he's in your head. <laughs> Rent free. So you play as a spacecraft slash aircraft called the R-Wing most of the time. There are, I think, two levels where you could play as a tank, which I believe they call the Landmaster. And yeah, then the Landmaster. If you do, it's if you manage to stick with the hard path two levels in a row, you actually get a submarine. Which what? is yeah, completely out of nowhere. They call it the What Watermaster? <laughs> Stop. What are they? No, I genuinely don't know. What I know they call it's in it. my notes. I have to find it. Where is it in my notes? Watermaster, it is. <laughs> it is called the Blue Marine. So it's just a, it's it's essentially the same thing as the R wing. It just goes underwater. Yeah, yeah. So those are some of the mechanics. Yeah, I have some issues with some of the mechanics because. Shooting was a pain in the butt. Yes, holding down and having the seeking laser was nice. Except for, good lord, if you could, if there was a microphone by my controller, all you heard the whole level was tip 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 tip. You had to keep, you had to keep pressing the button over and over and over and over and over and over again to to shoot. And that was my thumb hurt by the end. I mean, it's it's like playing like Diablo two. 
where if you had a Diablo 2 stream, it was just click, 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 click. Like, yeah, you're mashing on that button. I was mashing on the, I'm just going to say barrel roll, even if I have a grievance against that name. The barrel roll, because it would deflect enemy attacks, at least uh, the basic attacks. So I was literally barrel rolling everywhere. Because if you, so the barrel roll was R or Z, because if you remember, yeah, double tap. If you remember from our GoldenEye, the N64 controller is weird. So yes. it's not R and L, it's, it's R and Z because you're holding it half. If you double tapped it, it would do the barrel roll, deflect shots. And I was doing that all the time, especially in the sub thing, because the sub, you could barrel roll. You couldn't do that in the tank. You would barrel roll, but it would just move you. Yeah, it would just move you side to yeah. side. It just was a quick movement. No, and I think that was interesting. I don't think I did it enough. I don't think I did the aileron roll enough because I just kept getting hit by stuff. And it is a basic shield, and yeah. I didn't do it often enough. The blue marine on the Star Fox wiki yeah. it is described as a medium-sized, experimental, and unpredictable a- assault submersible. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yes. But this just pisses me off. Uh-oh. The blue marine's maximum dive is 2,000 space meters below the surface level of water. Space meters. What are space meters? A space meter... Meters in space. Are meters in space. (laughs) (laughs) They have a a one-to-one ratio. But it's space! Oh my god. Okay. (laughs) While you do have your consistent three buddies with you, you don't if they die per level. So if they die in the middle of the level, they will disappear for the rest of the level. And then they will be gone for the whole next level as well. So it takes a whole level for their ship to be repaired and come back. So that could be really helpful if you're down one of your regular teammates. Because I often was down a regular teammate. Because they would die if they were being chased by enemies. Again, going back to the Slippy being obnoxious. Somehow Slippy would always be chased by enemies and would scream out and say, Oh, Fox, help me! There's a guy on my tail! There's a guy on my tail. No, what what also really annoyed me was this is where Falco got to me because he'd be like, oh, there's someone's chasing me, and then you'd you'd kill him, and he'd be like, I had that, or I guess I should be grateful. I guess I should be thankful. Yes, you should be grateful, Falco, (laughs) you jerk. Also, you could shoot your own teammates. All the time. All the time. time. And they loved flying directly in front of you. So that was unfortunate. You could definitely shoot your own teammates. Again, that was another classic Falco line. Hey, Einstein, I'm on your side. (laughs) I'm on your side. And, like, they didn't really do much. Like, sometimes they would kill things. The only thing that really, really mattered, in my opinion, was Slippy would give you the shield for the boss if you got to the Mm. boss. That was literally his only job. Well, and I noticed, and maybe this is just coincidence, but I noticed a couple times where Falco would actually kill an enemy and it more often appeared as a silver ring for health. Not all the times, but that happened a couple of times to me as I was playing through is that he would kill someone in front of me and I would get a silver ring out of it, which was kind of nice as well. I think it was just coincidence and you were just bad at killing things. Damn it. And there were checkpoints as well that you could miss if you weren't paying attention. Yeah. But there were checkpoints as well so that you, if you did die, you could restart later in the level. But that kind of brings up back to that save point. There really weren't there saves There were no saves. I did not remember that. I remember going through it, booting up the first time and starting through. And it's like, there are no saves. What am I going to do? It's like, 
Yeah. I guess I'm I'm in this for the whole, right? Yeah, and that's that's brutal for a lot of people and I could see why that'd be really frustrating as a kid because you know, you did all this work and then just to be kicked out. And this is where the high score I think comes in as, yeah. as more important as well is you could still make the high score meter even if you didn't beat the game. Right. But that's kind of a sticking point is the game had enough of a memory chip that it remembered your high scores, but you had no way of saving. I mean, it was developed by Nintendo. So they hate you as a player. <laughs> you are the enemy. And should be punished. Oh, God. So incredibly frustrating because I still had fun, but I wasn't great at it, which meant when I was out of lives, that's it. I have to restart again. And so it's why I never got to the ending because I just, I don't want to have to sit there for two hours or even an hour and a half trying to grind my way to the end because I'm not even good enough to have enough lives. So I often was dealing with only three or four lives at a time, which meant... I didn't have a lot of opportunities to screw up when I'm someone who's going to guarantee screw up a lot. And it's one of those things you have to play the game a lot to get those patterns because everything is in a pattern. There's not a lot that was was random or anything like that. Everything comes in at the same places. I'd say it's a good game for speed running, but it's really not because there's no way to go faster for the most part. It's one of those you need to kill the most amount of things because this game is just going to happen. No matter what you do, you're either going to not kill something in front of you or run into something, but you're moving forward at a set pace for the most part. At the same time, there's a couple of the bosses where you could get stuck in a loop. I know I had, I did, I did two playthroughs right before we recorded this, where there was like the weird pirate submarine lobster thing and the first time i beat the boss pretty quickly and the second time it took me forever because i didn't realize that i had like idiot savanted my way through the boss the first (laughs) time so i was doing something that essentially caused the boss's health to reset oh like every time i i did something incorrectly so yeah there's this set tube that you go through you hit the boss and then you're there forever and that's the thing that also frustrated me about this game at times is well sometimes it was really obvious what you needed to hit on the boss like there's a shite shiny bright flashing thing in your face shoot me shoot me shoot me fine that's fine that all makes sense there are other times you have no freaking clue what you're supposed to be aiming at yeah and that that you can't do it both ways in my opinion either everything needs to be obvious or nothing should be obvious because as soon as you make some of it obvious i'm gonna keep looking for the obvious stuff and if suddenly it's not obvious i'm not gonna know what i'm doing there were so many of those moments where i was like i don't know what i'm doing right now like i'm trying my best i don't know what i'm aiming at you know and that's again when you're already in a tough position and i'm already getting frustrated because there's no saves there's no restarts like it's it's rough and and that's like don't gamer intelligence is there, but don't tell me that there are these hints out there and then not give them to me all the time. Cause that's even worse. Credit to the designers. The bosses were so totally unique. Oh, they were really cool. Like there was flying Mecca in the first level. 
there was like Gundam Wing type things in the second yeah. or third level. There were a lot of floating hands. There were lots of well, the the final boss had floating hands. The yeah, the it, well, weird... no, and so did um one of the earlier uh, on like the easy track. There was like the robot that kept that you called the um the Dalek. The Dalek, because it was like it kept saying destroy, destroy, destroy. destroy. and that had big old hands that yeah. pimp slapped you. <laughs> Well, and and Andros, which which I realized literally as I was taking notes, the the final boss is Andros's head. Yeah. So you go through all these bosses, and it's like robots, weird. There's like a clam thing, a train, and then it's a big face with two hands, floating hands, floating hands. That's not the real Andros. No, it's not. Yeah, I had no that, idea. Yeah, that's where I looked at the, the, the... Again, I didn't get that far in my actual playthrough, yeah. but if you look at the summary of the plot, there are two different main endings. The easy route, or anything that's not the hard route, essentially, is you fight that big head and hands, and you think you've won, and that's it. It's a robotic version of him, though, but if you're in the hard version, you see his true form, which is a brain. A brain with eyes. Which is creepy as heck. I don't like it. I think I tried in all my playthroughs. I just missed, at least in two or three of them, I just missed getting to that hard version of yeah. Venom. Which makes sense that the hard route is the true ending because that's when James McCloud comes back and brings you out of Venom. Yeah. So his dad is alive. Hey. Spoilers. Spoilers. You actually got closer to that ending than I did because you got to the second to last level. I was in the, but I was, in, I wasn't in the hard route. I was on the like middle route. I you were on the hard route. Oh, did because I? Oh, that's right. You were on the I hard second to last level. Yes. Yeah. I because I hit the trigger. Yes. Of uh, of sending the boss yeah. to the side, it sent me on the hard route, and I was very upset by that because I was like, "No, I'm on the hard route. No, go back." This is when I wished it, we could go back to when we lived on the same coast, and we could just throw the controller back controller. and forth. Help. Help, please. You know, this would also be a great opportunity for save states. So yeah. I have more chances at it. That is the benefit of the modern, you know, emulator style, you know, yeah. of gaming is it gives you more opportunities to get better and to learn as opposed to having to replay everything and hoping you do the right path. So so I should say, how, how did I tried to give this game to producer Lisa as I went upstairs and it was literally the second level in the asteroid field. And I went upstairs to go to the bathroom and I came back downstairs as she died. And I was like, what happened? How did, how did, did, did you get producer Kyle to play this game at all? So yeah, I got producer Kyle to play the game. And of course he's better than me, which doesn't make me bitter at all. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it doesn't make me angry. He went mostly on the easy track on purpose. So he fair. had the options to go on some of the other tracks and kept choosing the easy track, I think because he was like, well, I want to just try to see how much I can experience in a, in a short period of time. Ironically, then running into that not so easy level that we yeah. talked about, even though it's on the easy track. But I think he he actually paused his playthrough right before this recording, and he was just entering the final final level of Venom. But it would have been on the easy track. He did so, so he wouldn't have gotten the quote unquote true ending. But he was doing he was doing fine. I think there are moments again where I could tell he got frustrated, and and there the way the game played uh, yeah. was not always smooth. But I think overall he he was doing fine on it. But he 
he he tends to do so um which isn't you know not frustrating at all that i I was definitely more enthusiastic about gaming and suddenly he's way better than me it's fine it's fine i think my fastest playthroughs were again going the hard track for the first couple levels my last playthrough before we recorded this i i decided to do a speed run speed run being actually record and it was essentially go hard hard path for two levels and then kind of meander back into the middle we recorded. It took me 57 minutes, 52 seconds. That's not which, bad. Which I'll take. I mean, you know, the, the record's 20 minutes, but we'll, we'll throw that aside. So that kind of brings us to, I think, our, our full kind of playthroughs of the game. But that puts us at a what score would you actually give it, Chris? I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10. I won't lie. I enjoyed the heck out of it. I'm pulling it back out. Pulling it back out of the graveyard. Boo, it's only been in the graveyard for like two episodes. Don't care. I love this game. (laughs) Okay. So you're actually giving it a higher score than your rose-tinted score. I really liked playing this game. Like, it was frustrating, but I had so much fun playing this game again. So what about you, Katie? You had a rose score of seven and a half... You predicted a six and a half. What are you going to give Star Fox 64 after you've played it again? I'm going to give it a seven. I enjoyed it more than I anticipated. However, my just innate nature of not liking games I'm not good at is always <laughs> going to hurt these kind of scores. And it, it does. it's not necessarily critique of the game in total. Some of it is just I do get easily frustrated. But the lack of saves just kills me on this. That is really hard. The lack of being able to save, it just makes it almost impossibly hard in my brain. Even if I'm getting better, even if I'm doing okay at it, it's just I get so stressed that, oh, God, if I die, this is it, that it takes a lot of the enjoyment out for me. And so I I can't give it a higher score than that. It has to be a seven. But it, it was more fun than I originally anticipated. Overall, again, yeah, I think we'll play it again. I think we'll play it on the stream again. I think I'll play it, you know, just for fun again. This is one of those games that's really hard to play multiplayer with only two people, which is both of yes. our households. So this is when when we're allowed to have people over again. It's something that needs to be explored because this is definitely a better game with four Get people in multiplayer. Get your vaccines, people, so we can play Star Fox 64. Yes, Star Fox time. Okay. Star Fox is wrapped up. We're going to bring it on home. For our next episode, we will be covering Jack 2. Yay! We're back to a game that Katie enjoys. Yay! And that I'm good at. <laughs> Yay! Kind of. No, I, 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 we love the Jack series. If you haven't heard our Jack and Daxter episode, it was one of our earlier episodes, but please check that out. I adore this series. Jack 2 is a great game. I'm really looking forward to playing it. Check it out on the stream. We'll be streaming a lot of this game because it is one of our longer games, so it's definitely going to be appearing yeah, we gotta uh, get on, on that. the stream quite a bit. And that's our reminder again. Join us on stream, GWGW Show on Twitch. We are also on all the social medias pretty much at GWGW Show. We're also on YouTube at Games We Grew Up With. That is the one exception. We are Games We Grew Up With on YouTube. Check us out everywhere. But Twitch is a great way of actually interacting with us. We love talking to people there. It's been great for everyone who's interacted with us there thus far. We love talking to you. It's a lot of fun. So keep doing that. We'll try to post on the other places like Twitter and Instagram when we're playing on Twitch. Big thanks to everyone who's talked to us on social media. 
Thank you to everyone who uh, interacts with us on Twitch. You can even harass me the way John the Engineer does. I actually appreciate that when he tells me how wrong I am about everything I'm doing. So thanks, John. Big thanks to our producers, Kyle and Lisa. Couldn't do this without you. Couldn't do this without the viewers and listeners. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out. Tell us what you think of the podcast. Tell us what you want us to play next. We're always open for that. Yep. Reviews, reviews, reviews as well. We would love to get some five-star reviews on the platform of choice. Otherwise, say goodbye, Chris. Goodbye, Chris. Bye, everyone. Good luck. I guess I should be thankful. Fuck! We'll do that. Okay. So we'll do this. Stop that. Damn it, Lisa. Stop that. I'm joking on popcorn. <laughs> well, that's a I know something that's going into the blooper reel. <laughs> <laughs>